If you like growing food, then you might like eating food. And if you like eating food, then you might like cooking food. Well, go check out the first season of Backyard Kitchen available on Tubi for free. Available on all smart TVs and online. That's T-U-B-I. All free. First season of Backyard Kitchen. So you've been on this wild ride of expanding a garden with us. You've thought about going vertical. You've thought about containers. Let's take it one final step further. Let's talk about edible landscaping. Planting food within your entire yard, but making it look pretty right here on the Backyard Gardens Podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens Podcast, where we talk about all things gardening. We're your host, Ben and Batavia, and you can find me gardening in the country. And you'll find me gardening in the city. Get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening where we learn to grow and grow for change. All right, everybody, you know the deal. If you would like to support our show and help keep us on the air, please sign up for our Patreon. Link is down below. You will get two extra episodes a month and... One of them is our Community Gardens podcast, which is has a different feel, wouldn't you say, Batavia? It does. It's more raw, we shall say. And the other thing is t-shirts, mugs, fanny packs, cups, anything Backyard Gardens related is in a link below. It's at Teespring. 25% off. That's right, everybody. 25% off. We're celebrating spring all the way until the last day of spring. All you got to use is the code... BYG Spring, and you'll get 25% off. So without further ado, adieu. Back to the regularly scheduled program. Without further Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Uh, I like Mountain that's Dew. That's like a good dad stuff. joke, man. I, I feel like I invented that just now. You did, and I like yeah. it. Uh. I'm stealing it. It's over. <laughs> So, um, do you do you edible landscape? I don't. I think we'll figure out in this episode if what I'm doing is edible landscape esque, edible esque? landscape light. Oh, see, now that's <laughs> fancy talk. When you start throwing esques in there, that's yeah. fancy talk. I don't know about that. Yeah, I want to. <clears throat> I want to make one thing clear before we get. So, this is a very serious statement. During this episode, we are in no way encouraging you to dig up your entire yard and plant food throughout it. We're doing quite the opposite. We're encouraging you to be open to the possibility of planting food within the spaces you have, within your normal landscaping that you have. Fair enough? Fair enough. I'm begrudgingly agreeing um, (laughs) that that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, I've been mulling over in my head like... uh, the reason why I react to edible landscaping the way that I do. Um, yeah. So I'm team it. I'm team what is it. it. What is it? Like, you know, plug in some things. I, um, I feel like my focus has been so much, what did you call it the other day? A food factory? Like my backyard's a food factory. Yeah. You know, I turn my gr- front yard into a food factory and I may be, taking a step back and so when we talk about edible landscaping it's like if you have this yard already let's add some some something you can eat plants that you can potentially eat you know and i may be doing the reverse of it you know with every year this front yard has plants that i can eat from and maybe i'll be peppering some other things in there i don't like to use the word eat i like to use the word consume okay there's differences. So, so when we say eat, the first thing that pops in my head, I'll give you one guess what the first thing that pops in my head is. How about that? Okay. What's what's your guess? Oh, I'm not going to guess because I don't like this, I, I this train of, uh, of thought at all. Like, I'm sitting here like, is he really going to tell me that? Because what that comes across as is you're telling me that you don't want me to use the word eat and instead use something no. else. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, what, what I'm what saying is I don't like it because the first thing that pops into my mind and when you're talking about gardening is like a tomato. 
And that's not really, at least what I'm talking about, it's stuff you can mix into other foods, drinks, stuff like that. So that's why I say consume. Mm-hmm. But I get your point. It's well, a, it's ask a, was fancy, and then here you come with the whole, let's not talk, say eat, let's say consume. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we're fancy in our own ways. How's that? Yeah. But what is edible landscaping? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Are you going to answer it for us now, or you want are me we to gonna wait? I don't, well, our definitions might be two different ones, so we'll see if they if they collide just right. As long so, as it doesn't have eat or consume in it, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, you know what? What I'm going to do? I'm actually going to get a technical. Um, Which is technical. The first thing that pops up under uh, Mr. Google is that the technical definition. Yeah, I'm asking the doctor. <clears throat> what is edible landscaping called? Oh, never mind. I don't know how to say that word. So basically what it is, it's planting food within your existing yard without, like like Batavia said, a food factory, without having like tomato cages and crazy trellises. It's a low, lower maintenance, dual purpose, consumable food in your garden. So a lot of people, and this is this is one of the rare episodes where we'll go into the front yard. A lot of people's <laughs> front yards are, you know, more decorative, curb mm-hmm. appeal type stuff. And then your backyards typically, I know, but David, typically your food factory. So within, you know, if you get, let's say the average house will have like a bunch of evergreens and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, nothing mm-hmm. like above and beyond. But there's things that we can plant and squeeze in certain areas that can be disguised as food, but also be beautiful. And the benefit of it is most of these that we will recommend or just in general that fall into this category are a perennial type plant. So they will feed you for years and you plant them once. Yeah, the way that I and I had to, we we, um, actually did an episode on edible landscaping like two years ago, like in 2020, and it never made it out of the editing room and into the public. Uh, So since then, I've really kind of gone back and forth with what it means to me, like what I feel edible landscaping is. And so I have two versions of it. First, it's incorporating is the word, right? Incorporating. That's a good um, word, man. Good word. Yeah, I know, right? Somebody hit a bell. Um, Incorporating, you know, vegetable plants, um, edible flowers, uh, herbs, you know, incorporating these things into uh, your landscape, into your your home, your area where you're growing things. And it could be anything. Right. And then what it's not when I think about and for this episode, let's talk about what we'll call traditional gardening, uh, traditional vegetable gardening, your traditional backyard garden. I think containers, I think, you know, rows, depending on how big your property is. I think raised beds. Um, I think very intentional, you know, growing for the purpose of, this is me playing nice, consuming, right? Growing for the purpose of consumption, right? Um, and that's not what an edible landscape is. Um, so that's, I have to always go over both of those pieces, like defining what I believe it is and then defining what I believe it isn't to reconcile it in my mind. So that's why I'll pause here and there because I'm going back through that exercise. So first thing, I really, I know what I need to title this show but I really want to title it next level vocabulary show because we're just, we're on fire with our vocabulary. Oh, today. wait, potage. That's the word you, you looked up and you said you didn't want to say, I knew it. Yeah. I can see it in your face. I didn't want to say it. I was like, I don't know how to say that. So yeah, it um, looks like plus, I, when I was never, looking it up. Just real quick, when I was looking it up, it was sometimes it's referred to as a kitchen garden or a potage yeah. garden, um, which again is one of those things that I have to kind of, file in my head and process um so yeah i feel i feel like edible landscaping basically just sums it up really well Mm -hmm. so we're just gonna stick Mm -hmm. with that for the show but it's you know like i said it's mostly it's perennials it's trees it's you could i I shudder to say this especially to you yes there are edible (laughs) flowers but we're not really talking about planting edible flowers because the majority of people do not go get a plate of flowers and eat them. So 
yes, you can eat flowers and you can, I mean, if there's like a specific flower that you were growing, you're like, this is just really good. I'm going to plant it. Well, that's fine. But we're, we're actually stepping out of the flower box for this one, but we're talking about stuff that you can incorporate with your flowers that are, are sightly that, you know, that will enhance your front yard versus something that would not enhance it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, that would mm-hmm. hinder the, the visual appeal, the curb appeal of your, your property. And I won't to, fight you. I won't fight you. In okay. This moment. That's, that's good. Yeah. That's the one time I can, that's my one go for saying something mm-hmm, bad about flowers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Check. Well, no, I mean, I just don't know how this is going to unfold. So I can't guarantee that, you know, there won't be a fight later on, but for right now I'll go with you. Oh, there's a fight. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's all those things and it's actually, a lot easier than it sounds because when you use the word landscaping to me it's like okay i've got to till and dig up and move and chop up and redesign and for some reason and maybe it's because there's landscaping companies that mm-hmm. it just for me that's what it brings into my head and that's not what it is at all so we can you know we've been doing it in our yard for a number of years and i'm going to go ahead and tell you right now where i heard it from one guess, everybody, if you're a longtime listener of the show, my man, P. Allen Smith. If you're a gardener and you don't know who this gentleman is, where have you been for 30 years? Check him out. But he's a big fan of it. And he's a big fan of it in small baby steps. You know, he doesn't really push the food factory portion of it. And his style of gardening is 100% about making it beautiful. So I, you know, I tend to kind of gravitate towards that. And I personally grew up with edible landscaping in a roundabout way. We had one tree in my backyard and that one tree was this giant pecan tree and we ate pecans off of it all year long. I don't know how, who plant. I mean, that tree must've been hundred so or so years old and the sad thing is, is the people that bought the house after my parents moved out, they cut it down like day one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a tragedy. But in itself, that was kind of how we grew up with that. And I didn't realize what it was at the time. I just knew that I had one tree in my yard and I loved pecans or pecans, however you want to say it. Pecans. Right? Yeah. Is it pecans I, I mean, for you? I, yeah. Uh-huh. It's pecans. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. <laughs> We're not that No, is it more like potato? Potato. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's potato. So look, let's do this. That's not what I sound like. In my head it is. So now that we know what edible landscaping is, let's go to a break and then we're going to break down how to do it, the challenges of it, and then we're going to give you some excellent candidates to enhance your yards with edible landscaping. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners. When I run out of my cup of water, Batavia, I might have to um, break the rules and drink the seltzer water I have right here, but I'm going to try not to. Just okay. FYI. All right. So, because it'll make me burp every time. <laughs> I won't panic if I see you doing it. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> so, how do you, how do we, we, let's, let's do this. How do you start by edible landscaping? What do you I think? I think it. I think it's very similar to how we talk about, you know, how do you start a traditional garden? You know, what are the things that you enjoy? Um, So if I detested pecans, I would never plant a pecan tree in my edible garden, you know, or in my edible landscape, you know. So um, I do think that if you're thinking about things like trees and bushes and berries and, you know, those things, while while we definitely definitely look at our regular gardens and say we want to eat as much of what we produce from it like that's our intent 
it's not exactly the same when it comes to the edible landscape. Like, it's hard for me to separate the idea of, yeah, you definitely want to eat everything. But the reality is you don't have to. Some of the things that you produce can be, you know, ornamental and ornamental cabbage, you know, so you can do that, you know, or you could decide to harvest and eat the cabbage. Um, so if you don't like cabbage, though, you know, that wouldn't be a thing that I plant in it. So let's decide what you enjoy, what you like what you like to eat, but also what you like to look at. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree with that. I, but one thing that I think um, that I need to be clear about is I think that that was a trick question. Because there's a... <laughs> of course, I mean, they almost always are. No, it, it's a two-parter because that's exactly right. But I think at the same time when you do this, it's really important that you walk through your area and see where you can put stuff as well, because that's going to help you, you know, when you're starting your food factory garden, it's like, okay, I want my tomatoes to go here. I want my peppers to go here. My beans will go here, blah, blah, blah. But when you're trying to fit stuff into your already existing landscape or, you know, something like that, you, you might like, you know, for instance, you might like okra. And mm-hmm. you may be like, well, let me put an ochre there. You know, it gets nice and big, but is that really going to fit in to that design of it? Because mm-hmm. the the only complicated part about this, and this is kind of not, well, yeah, I'll say it, is the design portion. Mm-hmm. But this is the fun part of it, too. You know what I mean? There's different elements that you can use in order to enhance these areas. So I agree with what you said, but I also think you need to look and see where you can fit stuff in as well. Yeah. You know, do you need a ground cover? Do you need a bush? That kind of thing. Because a lot of times when you edible landscape, the food portion, the consumable product portion, whatever term we're going to stick with for the show, which is obviously going to be both, is the byproduct Mm-hmm. versus the other way around where the actual shape of the plant is the byproduct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it may definitely makes sense. I think if you have an existing growing space, like if you already have things in your yard, right? But if you're starting with a blank slate, um, you could be planting out, you know, ornamental things as often as you plant out things that can be edible you know um yeah and this is going to be one of those episodes where there really isn't a real right or wrong there's no hard right or hard wrong so i won't say that i disagree with you and you know you should not say that you disagree with me because that's just not wise um it's just a different view of it you know so I think that perennials are winners for edible landscaping, but I don't think that it's a requirement, you know? No, I think it lends itself to it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just because of my experience with it, you know, like for instance, I've got two, well now I've got three fruit trees in my yard and I also have um, a bunch of uh, six blueberry bushes Mm -hmm. and those were planted to to kind of form a hedge. Now, they're not really going to form a hedge, but they will get bigger and bushier and they will block out some areas that we don't really want to look at or what we're really using it for is to define our space. Mm -hmm. So that's the main goal of it. But then the second goal is like, hey, we're going to get some blueberries, you know? Are we going to get enough to make jelly off of it? No. But my son can go out and pick his blueberries and put them in his cereal for the month of May and June. You know, we can put them in, you know, we can make muffins and put them in or pancakes or something. So there's that little bit, that aspect to it. That's such a great example. Such a great, hold on, bellworthy example of (laughs) how you can look at something and say, I could grow blueberries in my backyard, you know, and that doesn't turn it into an edible landscape. But if I grow it along the fence in my front yard for the purpose of creating a little bit of privacy and or shade, creating a this aesthetic that looks like a hedge, right? Mm-hmm. That now I'm in the realm of this being more edible landscape. I'm sorry, I had to do it a second time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly right. So the benefit is we do get blueberries, but that not is the purpose of it. Now, if, mm-hmm. if we do a second row of blueberries, maybe we are talking a different story, but we're not planning on doing that yet. We've we've toyed with it, you know, but just stuff like that. 
Um, my mom, she did blackberries in her front yard and she had a, the difference is though, she used a trellis that was de- more decorative mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. functional, I guess is the term. Like, Cause you know, my trellises that I build are not necessarily decorative. You know, the cattle yeah. panel trellis is pretty, but other than that, it's not like a fancy trellis. It's mm-hmm. usually some wire, you know, the concrete grids or something that you put in. So, but when you do it in an edible landscape, then you can use a more decorative, which is going to cost you more money, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's that, you know, now, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Sometimes I feel I like trellising flowers. So there's that, but it is an option, you know, Yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of your arbors and some of like your wood, uh, trellises, you know, there are other other material as well, but really for the purpose of it's inviting, right? Yeah. Like it's it's created to elicit a certain feeling where what you and I have used like up until like this moment um, when it comes to trellises, it's really, really functional, right? Yeah. Because it's served, the whole purpose is to produce the most food, make it most available to us. And this trellis is going to help us do that. We're right. d- definitely different with what your mom is doing. And, and raspberry bushes, from what I understand, can get pretty big and they need some support. That's why she's using a trellis. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to hear my raspberry bush story? This is either a Prince song that didn't get released or it's a dirty joke. But yes, no, I do no, want to no. hear it. <laughs> no, it's just, I wish it was a Prince song that didn't release that I was the only person that knew. That would be amazing. <laughs> but no, it is um I had a neighbor, he had a giant bush in the corner of his yard. He you know, <clears throat> he wasn't a gardener at all. Mm-hmm. He he did have like 18 chickens and two goats, but that was a different story. But in this corner, he had this giant blueberry bush and it was pretty, but it filled up the corner, rounded out the bed just right. Did I say blueberry? I meant raspberry. And I remember going over there one time and trying to, you know, I noticed that there were birds and didn't know what it was. And I walked up to him. I was like, oh, that's a raspberry bush. And it was probably five feet high and maybe five, six feet wide, mm-hmm. that big. And it was just something that he had there. Didn't even really care that there were raspberries, but... I benefited from it because I'd go over and pick them until I saw them spraying it with poison because it got taken over by poison ivy. Uh, but okay. he said that while he was doing it, you know, I was like, why are you doing that? And he told me and he's like, man, I don't care. He's like, look all around the yard. There was raspberry growing everywhere from the birds eating it and pooping it out and stuff. But it was it was one of those first really it was one of those first times that I had really seen something that made an impact on me like that where I was like okay I like the way it looked this before I even got there and then I got there and I saw that it was raspberry it's like a win-win situation and mm-hmm. in that specific situation one bush will give you a lot of uh, raspberries enough yeah. to make jelly so there was that but it was old you know so that's you know that was another option that we have I don't even know how the raspberry plant got there but I know it got there I'm, I'm guessing the previous owner planted it there. No, he had the house when he when he owned it. So I don't know if it was like a wild raspberry or what it was. Like he uh, was the fr- okay. when it was built, he was the first one that lived there. And maybe he uh, did put okay. it there. I don't know. I never had the conversation with him, so I, I should take that back. But it was one of those good situations where you could actually see the functional portion of it growing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's where he, it's like. So, so go back to that guy though, but he liked it just because it was a bush. Mm-hmm. 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 He didn't care. He didn't. He told me he's like, I don't give a damn about the the raspberries. Yeah. I'm like, you crazy? Because I love the raspberries. <laughs> so, and you know that was a big bush, and I I, I like the big bushes and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes sense to me to do use the utilize those plants as you know an edible landscape material. And I think that kind of going back to the the note of, you know, maybe it's if you're able to consume something from it, it's a benefit, it's a bonus, um, but it may not be, you know, the prime reason. You think about some of the other um, other things we plant, you know, especially for me, there's this whole level of protecting it. 
you know, so I don't have blueberries out in the open because I know birds and and other things would eat them. Right. You know, so if it's a part of my food factory, then, you know, I'm going to take some measures. Right. Whereas if it's a part of my edible landscape, maybe I'm okay with the birds coming in, you know. Yeah. Chomping away and and moving about. Well, not only are you going to take some measures to, to protect it if it's in your food factory, but also those measures could very well be something you would not want into your front yard or exactly, somewhere where it's visible by the public, you know, covering yeah. it with netting and stuff like I mean, you can get netting that is kind of disguised, but it's just easier in my mind. to You know, it's like last year we planted, um, we didn't get any rain for the whole month of May. And so while we were, we were waiting on our blueberries to come in and they were just drying up and the birds mm-hmm. were crushing them. But there was nothing we could do, so we just let them have them. But otherwise, we just go out there every day and you know pick whatever's on there and kind of get them before the birds do. So there is that option. But you want to? I would say if you you're talking about how to edible landscape, and you know if we go back to plant um, plant selection, I would try and stay away from like massively fruiting like big fruits like watermelons and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know anything that really needs to be staked um tomatoes i would not really recommend i mean i don't think i mean you could probably do it i just would not recommend it yeah i think that there's some things that vine that could be beautiful in any landscape including an edible landscape i think the idea that if it then produces some large fruit you know, that's when it kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of back to, you know, a food garden, right? You yeah. know, I think that similar to there's some flowers that are absolutely a part of, you know, some um, landscape and it's beautiful. And they take measures to make sure they're trellis. But again, it's oftentimes on this beautiful trellis, right? And there right. is some, um, it's manicured, you know, there's definitely some maintenance there, but it's to have this certain look. And right. again, that's not necessarily the way that we grow squash, you know, when we're trellising squash. And I think that, you know, I oftentimes am brought to berries and kind of your citrus when I think about if I'm going to insert something that's edible inside of an edible landscape, you know, so I think an orange tree, a lemon tree, a, uh, I even think things like apple trees, things like that can absolutely for those that have the space be a part of an edible landscape um kind of to fit the criteria if you will i was at a uh, i shot a music video a couple of years ago and we were at the house and in the front yard they had one tree and that one tree was a really big pear tree Mm-hmm. And dude, there was pears all over the ground. Like, and I remember I walked out. There was about three o'clock in the morning, and I was tired, and hungry, and I sat and I just I walked out and I reached up and I just grabbed two pears and sat down and ate them. And they were like the most delicious pears. And I was like, Hey man, y'all, y'all keep any pears in the house? He's like, What do you mean pears? I'm like, you know, there's a pear tree in your front yard, right? He's like, Oh, that's pears. I didn't know you could eat them. I'm like, what you talking about? You didn't know you could eat them. So it was just one example of like, instead, you know, usually you buy a house and there's a maple tree or something in the front yard mm-hmm, and it'll be like mm-hmm. a really small one. Why not pull it out and put something else in there? You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the problem can be that those trees, like as they, if you don't harvest the fruits and they drop, it is messy. Unsightly. It will, yeah. mm-hmm. is, it can be unsightly and it can also bring in, animals to consume mm-hmm. it but it's it's an apple you know how yeah. how hard is it to go out and pick out pick up some apples i would rather pick up apples than leaves but i think it here here but i think that the point that you bring up though is um kind of the maintenance element you know so let's consider how big this bush or this tree is going to get this thing that i'm planting yeah um, especially if it's perennials because as we've seen most all perennials year over year they'll get bigger at some point they'll top out you know but um you look up and as you think about you know kind of my number one was determine what you like to look at determine what you may like to eat if it's something that's going to be edible like that's how you start and your 
kind of first step was let's walk your your yard let's walk your space and see kind of where you have room to put things and with that it's where you have room to put things and considering what they'll be like from the point of planting versus what they'll be like once they're mature and then you fold in the part about you know if it's going to produce something you know that's going to drop you know whether it's leaves or whether it's actually some fruit how does that affect the look and the design you're going for is that going to introduce more um maintenance or more work than you really want yeah you know and it's like do you need a ground cover because there's stuff Mm -hmm. you can use for ground covers do you need a bush do you need i mean do you need a flower you know there's Mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. stuff that flowers uh so there's there's a lot of different options and it's about you know if you move into a house and you already have a, a front you know, usually you have like a front foundation planting and you'll have what are called anchor bushes, the the big bushes in the back, Mm -hmm. like, and they're nice and developed and you know, whatever. It's not about pulling those out. It's about incorporating them with them. So maybe you, you know, maybe you've moved in somewhere and they've got some nice boxwoods. So you look at it and you're like, okay, now what can I do? Well, let me add, I can start at the bottom and say, let me start with a ground cover and throw in some time. You know, and then let me look at this part and then there's this section and I have, you know, you have some kind of rose in front or something. I mean, I'm just creating this random garden in my head, but then you need to pick something else that's like a little bit bigger. So maybe that's where your blueberry bush would fit in. You know, Mm -hmm. it gives you a different contrast color with the leaves. It can form a different shape. So you can do, you know, you can add those kinds of things as well. So it's, you know, making sure you have a well thought out plan is good because if you plant the thyme, for instance, it's going to grow and it's just going to keep growing. You know, um, lavender is another good one that you can do too. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, well, this is edible. No, but it's consumable. A lot of people drink lavender tea. A lot of people use the lavender to make sachets to put into their drawers and their chest of drawers, not their underwears. Um, (laughs) In North Carolina, we call them drawers. So, you know, there's all these different ways you can use lavender. So it's it's about or if you think, um, you know, this may be the time where we kind of swear off mint and we talk about containing mint. This could be the time where you have space where you want something to get big and bushy and to spread year over year. Right. You know? Exactly. And, no, I, w- I mean, do that with caution. But yeah. Yeah. Like when people grow mint, it's almost like I remember I had, was having some work done a couple of years ago and I was like trying to give it away. And I'm like, hey, yeah. you, you, take take this with you. You know, so uh, you know how you get people to take it. How's that? And they're like, no, nah, what am I going to do with mint? Be like, you can make all the mojitos you want. Got it. And then they'll take it. That's always my first response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like I had three bushes in my front yard. I had knockout roses came with the house they look like crap for four years. And then everybody on the other side of the road that had them were just amazing. And it was because of the, how much sun we got. Mm-hmm. So we replaced them with pineapple guava bushes. We went with a more tropical feel because we just get such hot summers here. And it just, that particular bed just gets cooked. So we went with the pineapple guava. Now we may get a guava, maybe, and that will be great. But if we don't, it produces a pretty flower and it's an evergreen bush that's going to fill that space nicely. So that's kind of where we sat with that. And it was extremely cost efficient. But there's another good point there as well. You know, when you think about um, what's the joke with us? Like, I'm like, oh, these shade loving vegetable plants. And you're like, none of them are shade loving. Like that doesn't exist. Right. But yeah. also think about kind of the... Um, the sun requirements and the spaces that you're considering planting things in to, you know, create your edible landscape. Same idea. Right. Like you, you need to think about that. Um, especially because we're depending on the direction you go, we're, we may be dealing with some plantings that are more expensive, you know, so generally perennials are more expensive than annuals. Right. Um, when you're talking about bushes and berries, you know, absolutely. Um, there are opportunities for you to get them on the low, on the cheap, you know, like fall seasons are a great example of that. I was actually starting looking seeds. in hmm? starting seeds. Well, I, mean, I don't know about for an apple tree, but I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but I was just looking at uh, one of my local garden centers and they are 
they have like a 50% off. Hey, they're basically trying to get rid of the, rid of the things they overwintered, you know? So it's a lot of like shrubbery and things of that nature. Um, but if you move to, so that's, that's one side of it. But if you move to things like absolutely using your regular vegetables as a part of your edible landscape, like I saw in Lyme, there's a video and it's like these big, beautiful collards. Of course, I was drawn to them as a part of the design, along with some kale, along with some large chard, along with some cabbage. I think I'm not certain. I, I may be making that piece up, um, but that could be a part of an edible landscape. Absolutely. And so that you know obviously is a little bit cheaper than, let's say, an avocado tree, you know, but all in all, let's just still consider um, how much sun your spaces are getting. And then if that blends well with the space you're planting or the things you're planting. And one other note, um, because now we're combining things that may not be traditional. We just want to make sure that they, in addition to having, you know, sun needs, similar sun needs, that maybe they have the same needs for when it comes to watering and fertilizing, um, or at least you're aware that they're different, you know. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, as we dovetail directly into challenges, that's a good point is, you know, I think personally, the biggest challenge is design. You know, um, you said it correctly, but I want to say one thing. When you're planting within these beds, flowers are completely different. You know, bushes are completely different. Some of them don't need full sun and you may not realize that as you go to put these things in. And one thing like my mom taught me, which is, I I really like what she says. I don't like a lot of what she says, but I like this is she goes, if you don't want something to get out of control, give it less sunlight. Generally Mm -hmm. it will grow, especially a perennial. And if it's non flowering or something, it'll grow, but it won't get as big. Mm -hmm. And I like Mm -hmm. that, you know, so it's like a lot of these plants, like moonflowers and stuff like that, which is totally off subject, but they're known to be invasive and go yeah. crazy. But if you eliminate a portion of that sun, instead of giving it six hours, you give it five hours or four hours, then that can happen. So I have a lemongrass that I plant throughout my yard. Um, I use it for teas and I use it to make a tom yum soup, main ingredient for the flavoring. But I spread it throughout my yard and I put it in one place that gets a little bit or a lot more shade. And in return, it only got half as big. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know, truth moment, I don't know if over time that will hinder the health of it. But for right now, it seems to be doing good. I am going to move it just a little bit because I want to do something different. But that's kind of the idea is like, hey, you can eliminate it. You can you can control it by the amount of light that it gets. Now, I would not put it in full shade and say, I don't want to get very big and put it in full shade because it just won't grow. It'll end up getting all leggy and linky and stuff. So... But design is, I think, like you said, is the biggest challenge there. And it's something that needs to be a little bit more thought out than a vegetable garden. Yeah, especially when um, a lot of our vegetable gardens are annuals, which goes back to the idea of some of our edible landscaping may be perennial. And in that case, like it's not to say once you've planted it, you can never move it. You know, I'm always moving things around. Right. Um, But again, since this is about kind of more so the visual appeal, um, you once you've done the thing, you kind of want to move on to the next thing. I think the idea of, you know, what your guy P. Allen Smith does and kind of his approach of taking smaller steps helps with that, because what you can do is. As you know, year one, year two, year three goes by, you can determine, all right, is this in a good space? Um, You know, you can see how things um, look and feel as they get larger and you can decide if you want to put something else in that space. One of the things that I uh, um, it's just classic with me, it's planting things, forgetting how big they get and then struggling, even walking around, you know, whatever I've planted. Like, you know, I've, I've basically let yeah. things grow into my walkway, you know. And so that, again, is clearly That's a real a, issue, too. Yeah, clearly something that when we're talking in some cases about bigger plants as well, um, not always, but, you know, in an edible landscape, you may have bigger things growing. You definitely want to consider that as well. Well, one of the things, you know, since we're bringing up my man, he um, he really pushes stuff like putting time in walkways 
and you know using it as a design element to fill in cracks and crevices mm-hmm. but then when you walk on it it's it's really it can take you walking on it it's resilient but then it releases that scent as well it activates mm-hmm. another one of the senses which is something that really i've been trying to do in my garden is activate more senses and you know smell is something that i would really like to have more of which is why i'm doing a jasmine arch but that's another one and then you know how much time are you going to use i mean really you know so Mm -hmm. grow it somewhere where it doesn't matter and cut it when you need it and walk away you know it's perennial it comes back i've had it come back when it got below zero no issues i mean it's just kind of one of those things you know i use rosemary as a bush you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's a great one because it, in my area, it'll keep growing and get bigger and bigger. It's a very slow growing plant. But how much rosemary am I going to use? Yeah, like, I don't <laughs> use much. You know what I mean? Like, I don't uh-huh, come across uh-huh. a lot of recipes that require rosemary. But it's it's a unique look. It is. Um, it is, uh, as you've described, once it's gotten big, you know, um, it is it's the equivalent of some of the bushes that we actually may buy from a store to plant for a certain look and then there's the aroma you know yeah. so that's it's another benefit. one of the senses yeah when i mean you, were you just brush up against it and it releases that scent same with the lavender yeah when you were describing the um the time i was just thinking you know there's there's definitely something whimsical about an edible landscape and it it makes me feel like you're you're creating an experience right i you like know. that look the vocabulary kicks in again uh-huh, uh-huh. hashtag it um you're creating this experience and i think it do- it allows you to become creative in a different way than you would you know not more or less necessarily but a different way than you would in your kind of food production you know garden right yeah so this is expanding the things our space this is expanding the things that we're growing um and it's expanding kind of it for a slightly different purpose which is the reason why i think it kind of snuggles right into this expansion series that we have um and i'm glad that this is kind of like the closing out of the you know the series as well um and i finally will say um that i was not team add this episode in uh, i had to be you convinced. definitely were not you yeah, definitely were yeah. not Leonard was like sending I was me notes yeah, at like 4 a.m. saying, okay, this is another reason why it should be added. And I was kind of like, I've been up for an hour and a half, but, you know, I still don't see it. You know, <laughs> but, but now up I totally after I do. take my nap. I'll tell you after I take my nap. That's that's what I got. So I got to take my nap. Think about it. <laughs> yeah, like I need to think about it first thing in the morning. I promised you before we recorded, I uh, we were like, okay, we're going to record this time. I'm like, all right. So I set my alarm and when my alarm went off, I set my alarm for a nap. And when my alarm went off, because it was in the middle of the day, I was so confused and disoriented. I was kind of like, wait a minute. Oh, wait, am I late? Like late thinking like for my work day. Then I'm like, wait, is it the weekend? Then I'm like, oh, no, it's none of these things. <laughs> So in, in that same instance, uh, I know I thought you, you know, you thought there was something more to that story, but not really. Um, and I, was, I wasn't I dreaming knew that about, it was in your head. There was I knew in your head there was. Yeah, I wasn't dreaming about edible landscaping either. You should be. You should be. <laughs> no, I was. I had a thought, and I, I wanted to get it out before I forgot it. A lot of this is think about it as building textures within your garden. So. Different foliage, foliage makes different textures. So it's like me intermixing my lettuce and my chard to build out textures and colors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you can use stuff like basil, like groups of basil to, to make, it would appear to be a bush. It's not a bush, but it would appear to be, and you could intermingle two different types of basils to get like a more yellow leaf with a green leaf. You could do stuff like that. Fern, uh, not ferns. Um, dill is another good one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's it's a, and the reason why I would say dill is because as it shoots up, it creates movement in the wind, and then that adds to your garden as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's all these different things that you can do with it, which is important to think about. And it's you know the design element. 
I mean, you can have a challenge for anything. And I know, you know, we just got fresh off of the uh, You Should Grow series where we talk about like pests and stuff like that. And that's not really going to be as much of an issue, I don't think, because generally speaking, these plants that you're putting, you're adding your edible landscape to don't have the same pests as your food crops do, right? What do you think? Well, I think that's actually a really, I don't know that we, you and I have talked about this piece of it, you know, kind of in our various conversations and we talk about so much. I can't keep up with what we talk about, but it absolutely is a consideration. So, um, I believe that this is kind of the best version of, um, what's the, the one that I always hate, um, uh, kind of companion planting, you know, Ugh. kind of like so. Yeah. A part of this is you're you're not planting things in the same way that you would in your food garden. Like you're not necessarily planting things together in that same way. So you may be tricking some of the pests. Um, I I'd say that especially if you're you're buying something that's expensive to put into your yard. You know, a quick couple of searches to make sure that it doesn't compete with something else that's there. Um, I think that that's going to be important. But I do think that, you know, we were talking about this a few days ago. I was thinking about, are you more inclined to spray? When I use the term spray, I generally mean some type of pesticide. Like spray this garden because of you of you wanting it to be more um pleasing to the eye right you know so when i saw going back to the the video that i saw with um you know your collards and your your cabbage and things and i'm just like there's nothing i mean these look pristine there's nothing attacking these you know yeah. <laughs> i'm just wondering like hmm well let's see i i think that's the in my mind the final aspect of challenges would be you know don't plant something that requires a lot of maintenance and don't plant something that you were dependent on getting that food out of it. Mm-hmm. I think those are the, the other two, you know what I mean? So I wouldn't put something out there that constantly needs to be trimmed, mm-hmm. you know, because how much of a pain in the ass is that to like go work in your food factory and then turn around and come back and then go out in your front yard or whatever and start, you know, trimming and pruning and all that. You know, it's like you have to deadhead stuff, you know, if, if you even decide to do that. And if you do plant something that's going to require that same kind of maintenance, you know what I mean? So while you're out there deadheading, you say, you know what, let me go ahead and get a, a huge handful of basil take it in. Let me get a huge handful of dill and start drying it, you know, and then just walk away from it and then come back. I think that's really the trick behind is keeping it low key. Yeah. I think it's to each its own though. Right. So this could be your way to start diddling with things like, you know, you, you want to have that maintenance, but I also think is the right way. I also think I'm just going (laughs) to keep moving on. I also think that that kind of goes back to some of the other things uh, that are your traditional or in your traditional garden, like some of your other vining crops, things that you need to train that you need to pick often. Like that's the reason why this doesn't necessarily fit in an edible landscape. Right. Um, It should be the idea is it should um, you should be able to. Uh, stay away from it and it should still look good like that's that's the goal or one of the goals I should say Um, you know you're gone for a week and a half on vacation all right you got your sprinklers on a timer and you're all good you know Um, because again they're still watering needs you know when it comes to these things we're planting Um, yeah but as they get to be perennial the watering needs are less and less yeah good point good point You know, and I mean, I think, you know, the first year is always the toughest, but if you're planting like trees and stuff like, dude, after the first year, like you don't really have to water a tree unless it's like a time of drought. Mm -hmm. And I I don't want to sleep on the trees portion either. (laughs) Well, are you talking about non fruit bearing trees or just trees in general? I'm talking about edible trees of some sort, you know, Mm -hmm. nut trees, Mm -hmm. uh, fruit trees. I generally talk about fruit trees. I mean, I know I grew up with a pecan tree, but my mind, like I have a peach pear and fig tree in my yard. So I had two pear trees, but one of them I think is, um, I did an accidental cut last year and I think that's all she wrote, but we'll see. Which tree was that? It was a pear tree that I had. I had two pear trees and I don't know if the other one will produce now because I think it takes two to tango. But there's a pear tree down the road, so I don't know if like a 
I, I don't know how it works. So if not, I got a tree that's just going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't you have a couple of fig trees? I have a fig tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We put in a brown turkey fig we got last year. And I put in a peach tree. So the peach tree is in the front yard. It separates the common area from my yard. And then the fig tree is in the back or in the side yard where it can create some shade for the blueberry plants in the late afternoon. And then the blueberry plants are right next to that, obviously. So, and then we have, you know, we have strawberries as ground cover in one area, Mm. which are looking rough this year. I got to, I got to mess with those. I got to figure that out. Your which one again? My strawberries. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's such a sad story. I'm I'm actually on the fence. I, I may give strawberries another go. Um but strawberries are we we've not moved on to I'm ready to move on to the, the candidates. So I'm getting excited about them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well let's do this. Let's take a break and then we'll come back with the recipe of the day. Ben, what question do we get asked the most? I would have to say it's probably more something like, what are the products we use in our gardens the most? Ding, 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 ding. That's the correct answer. Hey, there's an Amazon link below. When you get over to the Amazon store, know that you're going to be supporting the podcast, but all of the products both Batavia and I have used in our gardens. We want to see you all over on YouTube, so check us out at Backyard Gardens TV to watch our podcasts and other gardening videos. Since it's spring, why don't we just go ahead and highlight the radish real quick? So this is a recipe that I did not create for the record, but it's basically, I would say it's a side dish unless you eat a lot of it, which is okay. Um, It's quick. It's 15 minutes to make it 20 minutes tops. So we're going to use Greek yogurt, lemons, lemon juice, olive oil. And then I would use, I would say it depends on if you're growing your radishes, which we're going to assume you are, I would, and depending on how big they are, if they're about maybe a quarter size, Mm -hmm. I would say maybe 15 or 20 of them, Mm -hmm. which as you know, is less than a square foot. Um, (laughs) Half a teaspoon of cumin, half a teaspoon of coriander, uh, dried chili flakes, and dill, and then mint. Okay. So you're going to chop up the, you're going to chop up the radishes, you're going to coat them in olive oil, and then the spices, which would be the coriander, the chili, and the cumin, and then you're going to roast them for probably, I would say, 10 to 15 minutes in the oven at 425, and then you're going to mix the lemon and the yogurt and the dill together. So mm-hmm, you could even mm-hmm. get like a pre-made like yogurt dill dip and use mm-hmm, it if you wanted to mm-hmm. mix that up and then take out the radishes, put it on top and then slice up the mint and put it on as a garnish just to kind of give it a little bit extra flavor. And I would, because I'm addicted to salt, I would put a little bit of salt on it as well. It just gives it that nice bite. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. pretty simple. Yeah, I like the. Um, I thought you were gonna. I thought we were gonna dip the roasted radishes in the sauce, which you obviously can't do. Um, but I, I like the idea of drizzling it. I like a sauce in general. <laughs> so creamy anything is most times good. Although I made a really bad creamy like cilantro dressing, like salad dressing. Well, if you put it, you would put it on a bed of um, yogurt is what you would do, and then serve it with a spoon. Okay. That's how you would do it, technically. Okay. But you could use it as a sauce too. I mean, hell, I don't care how you use it. Just use yeah, it. Yeah, I thought you were saying drizzle <laughs> it on on no, the no, radishes. No, no, no. But yeah, all of that, all of that, you know, all of that now, is delicious. Yeah, because now what you have in my mind is, it, I thought you were going to say a bed of, of lettuce, which I think still works. I think um, it does too. I'm a big fan of roasted anything as a part of a salad. Um, so yeah, that's um way to bring in the. I mean, you should be pulling those radishes out like right now, you know, from your garden. Yeah. Like it's starting to get warmer. So I'm I still gotta, it. Yeah, I got to plant. I got one more round of radishes to put in and then I'm done for the year. 
into the fall or are you not doing them in the fall oh of course i'm doing them in the fall (laughs) i meant for the season okay so um let's go through some candidates real quick let's do our top five each oh geez louise i'm going deep okay well why don't you you kick it off as i write down my top five let's take it down to three just to make it a little quicker Mm. um so you can lump fruit trees in i think they're a great addition they are typically not giant trees okay and they may get giant but not in your lifetime (laughs) so you know it'll be the next person's problem but you'll get a lot of fruit off of them. Some stuff like um, peach trees, for example, they actually have a limited lifespan. So there's that as well. So if you can try that for a couple of years, then you could switch it out. You could do something like that. Um, basil, again, any kind of herb you could use, but basil is another one that I would really take advantage of. The only thing with that is as it starts to bolt, you just got to make sure you trim the mm-hmm. the flowers off and if you keep them trimmed you know every you know once a week or you know even once every two weeks go out and just trim trim them they'll be bushier and bushier and then you'll get a bigger plant so i think that's another good one and then uh, i'm a big fan of blueberry bushes because they grow well in my area mm-hmm. i like blueberries i like the look of them they're not as full as they could be here but that may be my doing because I've not trimmed them a single time. So this year, my plan is my older ones. I did them in two. I, I planted three and then I came back a year or two later and then planted three more. So the the original three, I'll probably go out and trim this year after I get my berries and see if that will help them bush out. And it should because of the way the plant works. You know, you cut it, it'll shoot the energy up and then the energy will stop and it'll come back and it'll cause it to back butt and bush back out so okay. i'll probably be doing that as well okay those are my top threes all righty so i'm gonna go i'm just gonna agree with you on fruit trees and agree with you on herbs you name basil i think any kind of larger kind of uh herb that can get to kind of your your knee or waist i think those are good candidates um i'm gonna go with for my three sunflowers um in a yeah in an organized way right so there are so many varieties of sunflowers and for the record well two records one i'm not afraid of everything but sunflowers while i love them freak me out a little bit why the head of the sunflower when it starts to produce the seed yeah that look of it, it 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 weirds me out, um, but I still think they are amazing, amazing flowers. And obviously, I, I harvest. I'm still eating some flowers from the the plants I grew last year. But there are a bunch of varieties that maybe don't get kind of huge and droopy. You know, there are a bunch of varieties that um, you know put on multiple heads. And there's nothing I love more than a sunflower than one that puts on multiple you know flower heads. Yeah. Um, different colors, different heights, and all of that. So I think you can get really creative with that. Um, I'm going to go with, I know, I know what you're thinking. It's much troubles I have with them. The brassicas, right? So <laughs> you see them in the stores. Ornamental cabbage is absolutely a thing. Um, but I do believe, especially when you're looking at some fall plantings, I think that that can add some texture, some appeal to your gar- your garden. Um, maybe for those, there's less pest worry than there may be for some others. Um, I think lettuce heads and lettuce is absolutely for kind of your smaller space, your borders and things. So I'm putting all of that under the uh, leafy greens. Um, I am going to, for the sake of um, sacrificing these, the fruit it produces, I'm going to say strawberries again as a border um, Mm -hmm. because those plants can get tall. Um, At some point they have flowers and then ultimately berries. So I'm going to go with those as my top three since you took some of the better ones. (laughs) Yeah. The only one I don't like that you said was the head lettuce. And the only reason why is because once you harvest the head, you're kind of left with scraps. Yeah, I, I do think so. Let's, but this is the way, the part where we kind of differ in the leave it there forever versus. I like this, the way that you're bringing this up at the end because you know we're going to have to cut it. So go ahead. Yeah. So this <laughs> speaks to my desire to 
um, change a design, right? To pull yeah. things out, to replace things. And so you're at a very good point where it's not going to stay there and look good for the entire year, you know? So, and it's not going to necessarily produce heads the entire year, depending on where you live. And a lot of our spaces get warm enough for those lettuce heads not to produce, um, so I do think you could consider that, but it doesn't mean that you can't swap something else in for that space. Yeah. I, I just think that, you know, our choices show how we feel about edible landscaping and what mm-hmm. our plans would be. You mm-hmm. know, mine is a more low maintenance, everlasting, and yours is a really like a here and now, very literal choice. But I will say this, the sunflowers is one of the most important choices you could pick because... And I, I honestly, I was like, damn, I should I got that answer wrong. Like I failed the test. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like the bonus question you didn't get right. <laughs> but if you think about the nutrition that's included in sunflowers and the fact that everybody grows sunflowers everywhere, I mean, every what gardener doesn't really like sunflowers? I know there's somebody out there. Please don't send us hate mail. Um, you can feel free to tell us you don't like them, but just don't make it hateful. I understand <laughs> that... Um, a lot of people grow them and the amount of protein and healthy fats that are built Mm -hmm. into that flour make it an excellent candidate because not only are you getting the food, but you're also getting the seed for next year too. Yep. Seed for next year. And it's a, and it's a major impact on your garden. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that, um, I grew them very late in my garden life. And that first year I had so many, uh, problems with squirrels eating them like not birds but squirrels like eating the face of them i had sworn them off but then i had like a shit ton of seeds so i'm kind of like all right let me give it another try and last year i think it was the second second or third time i had tried it and i had great success with it i'm hoping for the same success this year um and and so that is something to consider like so some of these things will you know animals that come in to enjoy them turn it into an unsightly thing so consider that you know um and sometimes you don't know what's going to come into your area until you plant it there um which i think i was the everlasting description that you gave of yours i kind of felt like i don't often feel less than but i felt a little less than like everlasting i just wanted to wrap myself up in it like yeah (laughs) (laughs) well one thing as, as, as 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 you know in the last three minutes we were talking one thing really rung true to me about this is this is a good opportunity to play with varieties mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and really experiment with other types of vegetables or other varieties of your favorite vegetable you know like head lettuce mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. um different varieties of sunflowers and you've got white sunflowers yellow sunflowers red sunflowers mm-hmm. giant sunflowers bushing sunflowers you got all kinds of stuff you can do different you varieties know? of basil right basil mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's like i said you can grow um like last year i did a thai basil and then a, a, just your regular basil and the thai basil had smaller thinner yellow leaves yellowish leaves and then the regular basil was what we're all used to the green and when you put them together it was very contrasting and it was very pretty and as they grow into each other a purple basil i have a friend that's grown a chocolate basil yeah which or maybe was it a chocolate mint Hmm. and i mean let's just you know we can hone in on the difference of like like dills, for instance, you've got your your mammoth dill, you've got your small mm-hmm. dill, you've got mm-hmm. your fern leaf dill, you've got all these different options. Yeah. And generally speaking, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're like, look, I want to grow basil. I just need a pack of basil seeds. Doesn't matter what it is. You just know that yeah. you need to grow that basil. So it's it's an interesting thought. But I mean, this is really a time where it will shine, mm-hmm. you know, the different varieties. So test them out. And I don't want to wrap up before we say um, kind of the growing medium, it's it's what you decided it to be, right? So it could be directly in ground as a lot of the things we talk about, you know, when you think about your typical landscape is you can have borders like actual materials borders. You know, this could be some some of the space could be, you know, these plants could be in raised beds. Again, not like your 10 foot tall raised bed. No, really not like your, you know, your. Yeah couple of your one foot raised bit not necessarily that um but it could absolutely and this is the part that um i wanted to make sure that we got out was 
you know, vertical gardening still applies. Um, but more specifically, it can absolutely be an edible landscape using containers. It can absolutely be incorporated into your design. Yeah, I just cracked that's that the, seltzer water. Yeah, <laughs> took me a second to realize that. Yeah, uh, so that's I my last that word. Seltzer water it got me. No, it's um, that's a very good point, and I think a lot of times you're going to be putting stuff inside of a in-ground bed, mm-hmm. but you can make little raised bed step-up beds inside of that raised bed inside mm-hmm. of an in-ground bed too. Mm-hmm. Coming soon in Ben's front yard garden. That is actually my plan for this year is to do that. Yeah. Some uh, a listener sent me some borage seeds, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try that in my front yard this year as well. I think it might fit my design. We'll see, but um, yeah, there you go, people. You've got it. You've got all you need to know about expanding your garden from the beginning of things to consider to vertical gardening, container gardening, and now edible landscaping or pottage or porridge or whatever it was. <laughs> Potage. Look, we're Potage. both, you know, we're both pronouncing it wrong, right? That's the funny part. Oh, I'm part. sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with pronouncing things wrong. I'm actually known for that in my family. <laughs> but everybody, thank you so much. Um, you know, expand your gardens if you want. If not, come see ours. We'd like to have you here. Um, thank you for listening to us. Check out all our links below. Everybody have a good, beautiful day. Enjoy spring. Get get your hands and stick them in the ground and get all the dirt you can under your nails because that is your trophy for your garden. And remember, learn to grow and grow for change. Oh, I got to see you. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's show. Please follow us on YouTube at Backyard Gardens TV. Instagram at Backyard Gardens TV. Over on our website, BackyardGardensTV.com. And then we have Patreon at Backyard Gardens. And don't forget to check out our links below to help the show. Thank you so much for joining us as we learn to grow and grow for change. Cut. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.